1: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Hi, I'm Richard Gershon, the host of In Legal Terms and a professor at the University of Mississippi School of Law. If you miss a live In Legal Terms episode, find our podcast, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org.
2: morning, and thanks for listening. I am Dr. Susan Buttress, professor of pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center and host of this show, and today I'm happy to be here along with our producer, Abram N- Nanny. Abram Nanny, I can say your name, I promise. Good I'm morning. I'm so proud of you. You got
3: it. Good morning.
2: <laughs> oh. Today we're going to be talking about a topic that keeps coming up over and over again in almost everything we talk about when we talk about mental and behavioral health. And it's actually something that we talked about at length about a year ago. Um, And so you can find that in your podcast. I think it was a year and a month ago where we talked specifically about executive function. What I want to do today, though, is talk about what it is and why it's so important to discern what it is as far as how it affects us in other disorders and how we identify it. So executive functioning is important. To be high functioning in life. We can function in life without great executive function, but to to really function well, we have to have good executive function. And those are the functions that are included in memory and printing, flexibility in our thinking, and then self control. So you can see how those are all important. Those are skills that something Those are skills that we work on very early in life with children, and there's something that we say that executive function is highly important. In that birth-to-five age group where we're teaching our kids how to do those things I just mentioned, remember, uh, be flexible, be able to move from one thought to the other, and then to be able to control ourselves. So, those are obviously great skills to teach our young kids, and that's something that we do. But the bottom line is there are many people who continue to struggle with executive functioning throughout life. And I think often it's most linked two issues that we call attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. I think whenever you think about executive function, if you read anything about ADHD, you think, oh, that's ADHD. But the truth is, is executive function is, is not a a specific disorder if you don't have good executive function, but it can be one of many different disorders. It could be ADHD, as I already mentioned, but it could also be secondary to anxiety or sleep or bipolar disorder, which I promised we would bring up uh, this week from our last week's show where we talked mostly about ADHD. Could it be um, depression? And then here's another huge issue that can cause problems with executive functioning, and that is brain trauma. The, the subsequent issues, and, you know, we've talked about that before on this show, about particularly professional individuals who play uh, sports sports. For example, football players. We've long known that uh, long-term playing of sports where you have chronic, truly, head trauma, uh, it can cause issues with executive functioning as we move along. So it's kind of a big thing, right, Abram?
3: Yeah, your head's pretty important. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, I'm a big fan of, like, fighting, fighting sports, Mm -hmm. and we see a lot of like previous fighters, like if you keep up with them later in their lives, they lose some of that executive function. Yeah. And it's very tragic to see, but it's also like um, makes you question what you've got, uh, what they've got going on, and um, how it got to that point. Right,
2: right. That repeated trauma. Yeah. And okay, I I know listeners, if you listen to me often, you hear me talking about the front part of the brain, the frontal cortex and the prefrontal cortex. So that is when you're, for example, a boxer or a wrestler or a football player. A lot of times what happens when you have an injury to the brain, it's what we call a coup injury where it's that front back injury. So you um, you basically are causing a shearing type injury uh, on the front part of the brain when you push forward quickly and backward quickly. And so what that can do is enter that prefrontal cortex and that frontal cortex, um, to, and which then impairs the ability for that area to really function fully in, in the way it should. And that's why I wanted to bring up traumatic brain injury. I think sometimes we forget. So when we talk about ADHD are problems with executive function appearing suddenly in adulthood that's why it's really really important to step all the way through what happened is this something that could have been secondary to a car injury for example or secondary to the fact that you were heading balls in soccer all your life into college and not doing it I know there's allegedly a correct way to head a ball in soccer and I certainly can't tell you about that but perhaps one, my son could that's what uh, they
3: say allegedly allegedly, is a allegedly way to
2: do. <laughs> yeah so you know to me I think you just have to know that it's important to protect your protect your, vet, your brain because um, like you said it's a pretty big important organ in our body that sort of controls the rest of our body
3: And it's shockingly sensitive.
2: It is. It is. But it can be resilient, Mm -hmm. uh, particularly in children. And that's why I talk so much about the importance of us making sure that we – intervene on any problem that a child has very early on because those brains are much more resilient. Now, in adults, our brains can also be resilient and we can reteach ourselves to lay down pathways that help us do things that perhaps one area of our brain was damaged, but it takes a whole lot more work. It's a lot more difficult to to recover from an injury for an older individual than it is for a younger individual. And so as we're, we're talking through all this, I'd love for you to jump in with your comments or questions. I want to talk in general about executive function and the different things that can cause it. So honestly, the door is wide open if you have a question. You know, like I, I said, there are several different things that can can interfere with executive function. And so why does it matter what it is? If it's just executive function and all those things I threw out interfere with it, Does it really matter to know which is which? And the answer is absolutely yes. It does matter about whether or not there is a particular diagnosis for a couple of reasons. One, there are different disorders that respond differently, okay, to different medication. And so what can a fear interfere with executive function like ADHD? It may be a different neurochemical interfering with with allowing us to have good executive function than it is for, say, something like bipolar different neurochemicals. Now, there is crossover, and it can be very confusing, and we don't have to talk very deeply into the science, but we do have a better idea now about what medications perhaps can help. The other thing is that there are some times when you have executive function issues where the first line of treatment is not medication. And so I want us to talk through that, too. We're going to go right on to the phones. Our first caller, Brother Daniel from Pascagoula. Hi, Brother Daniel from down south.
1: Hey, Hey, what's up, Mama? The high Magnolia <laughs> making it happen. <laughs> and, and, and good morning and good afternoon, Mississippi. The new Mississippi. The new Magnolia. yeah I want y'all to think it is. The new Magnolia. This is a place where it's so more multicultural with that southern good cooking, that southern communication, the manners that we, even though the times and conflicts we've had in the past we all had a sense of manners about ourselves and this is something that i was saying that when there's so much fear, so much hatred going on, so many things going, on, but mm-hmm. there is still a lot of love and peace.
0: Mm-hmm. there's a
1: lot of people coming to one another in a sense of coming from different cultural backgrounds. yeah. and we must we must teach our children you know, then there's the anxiety world right now. Because if you notice since Mm -hmm. after Katrina, we've had a lot more mental situations about anxiety, people's fear of not completing something, fear of not having enough money to survive. But we must get our minds strengthened, strengthened enough that we can communicate within ourselves to make better decisions Strengthen enough within ourselves that our children can see how to make good changes in their lives. Yeah. So they don't feel confused.
2: Brother Daniel you're yeah you're right and you're mentioning one of those things that can certainly interfere with executive function and I, I think you're right you know you mentioned Katrina and Katrina was a long time ago and I, we are still struggling with that and then we put on top of that several other points of trauma, we can keep going. But you know, I guess the most recent other huge trauma is COVID and what that did to our uh, social emotional well being. And so you're right, if we can all work hard, like I said, at the beginning of the show to teach our children, how to be able to function well in life. And what's important the better off our, our our state, our Magnolia, as you talk about our lovely Magnolia state will be. Um, so so I appreciate you talking about that. I think you're you're absolutely right. But as we're moving along, we want to make sure that people know that if you weren't taught that as a child, if you are struggling with things like executive function and need some help to be able to reach out and help, all is not lost. I was at a recent conference, actually, here at MPB, um, on Mind in the Making, about the importance of executive function in young children. and And what we had to remind everybody is all is not lost if you're still struggling. We can... There, there's help out there for you. So keep that in mind. I appreciate you, Brother Daniel, always. Thanks, Thanks
1: for coming. I love y'all. And, keep, and listen, everybody, please don't get caught up in the politics. Let us get caught up in being families together. That's going to make the Magnolia the strongest state in the South.
2: Good advice. Good advice. You can have differing opinions and still agree that you love and care about the state and the people who are in it. Right? So appreciate you as always. All right. I love having hearing from Brother Daniel. I really do.
3: He's always ready to preach. He Every is. Every time. So, He's <laughs> ready for it. He's, he needs to like... I hope he writes it down and says it all on Sunday as well. I bet he
2: does. I (laughs) bet he does. I bet people flock to hear him. Okay, let's go to our next caller. We have Jennifer in Fairhope. Jennifer, you have a question about your son.
0: I do. Thank you for taking my call. Absolutely. Um, I've been very concerned in the last two weeks um, because my son was hit by a car, actually. He was in a golf cart um, Mm. and was hit pretty um pretty heavily um, and was life flighted to a trauma center mm-hmm. um and he did have where he Im- had some impact on his temple mm-hmm. um, but I worry because they seem to think that he was fine uh, had some bangs and bruises and sent him home mm-hmm. um, he slept quite a bit he you know, got a little busy at times, so I took him back to a different hospital and asked him to do, you know, a CT scan or something and look, just check his brain one more time. And they kind of said the same thing that there was, you know, might've been some concussion, but he was fine and sent him home. And my concern is, you know, obviously many layered. He had um, ADHD. He was diagnosed with ADHD many years ago. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking for signs of any kind of concussion or or idea that I should keep moving forward with this, but I don't know if they are approaching him as an adult because he's 15 Mm -hmm. or if they're not. I'm just wondering if I should keep pushing to have him...
2: Um, looked at further. Sure, um, I hear you. Okay, I'm going to ask you a few questions, Jennifer. Sure. First of all, how how long ago was this injury?
0: It was Wednesday, a week
2: and a half ago. Okay. So okay. So up it's a new injury, and is right. he continuing to have any issues? Headaches, uh, blurred vision any kind of change in personality, anything at all like that? Not that seem He's sort
0: of a... He's kind of a tough little kid, and so he Uh kind of shakes things off anyway. Um, But he doesn't appear to have anything, um, you know, existing. He rested all weekend, but he was a holiday weekend. Mm -hmm. You know, and he gets irritable, but he's 15. So I never know. You know, (laughs) what I'm looking at is some something from that from that
2: accident or something to worry about yeah uh, uh, so yeah the job of a 15 year old boy is to be perhaps just a, a little bit abram you're closer to that age than than i am but i will say we know that that moodiness hormonal changes it's it's Sometimes it is hard to know what's a significant problem and what's just typical, right?
3: Absolutely, right. absolutely.
2: So it, a couple of things Jennifer when you're when you're looking at any kind of traum- traumatic brain injury, concussive effect and 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 what happened right afterwards, some of the things I'm sure they asked you about, did he lose consciousness? Um, and did he lose any memory when he came back to? Was there any amnesia type effect for any kind yes, of period? There was. there was. So how long did that last?:
0: It lasted for about thirty minutes or so. He doesn't remember the accident itself. He mm-hmm. just remembers getting in the ambulance. Mm-hmm. Um, and before I got to him, I was told that he had a little bit of a seizure. Mm-hmm. And he'd never seized before in his life,
2: so, and you said that that right now you haven't seen any real mood changes or memory issues, like he's not repeating not really. himself or coming, yeah, so that
0: has, it's gotten better since the accident he did he did um have some like I said, he had some dizziness and things, and those types of things have gotten better,
2: yeah, yeah. And he's back into school today? Yes. Yeah. So did they talk to you at all about any further rest, how long it should be before he might be cleared to go back to doing any kind of sports or significant... Not really. No.
0: Not really, which was kind of, that's, I guess, what has thrown me off is... Mm-hmm. You know, I said, do I worry about swelling or anything? And they're like, you can if you want
2: to. (laughs) Oh, Oh, well, then I will because I'm a mother and I am going to worry about that. Okay, you can if you want to. I like that. Um, So sometimes we say very interesting things in the moment that we go, oh, should I should I have let that out of my mouth? Okay, let let me um, keeping in mind that that I'm not an ER doc, or a, I do have a daughter who is one, and so I may go back over this with her at some point. But let me just tell you a few things: a CT scan is going to look at. An acute bleed, or it's going to look at the bony integrity of the skull. An MRI is going to look more more deeply into any kind of more tissue damage, and that's a real broad swath of the difference in the two. Okay, and okay. so if he just had a CT. Then um, and that's that is what is often done in ERs, because typically you can get those more quickly and you can look the bone and, you know, look for any kind of acute bleed and everything. Um, If there are any long term concerns, then you probably want to look at an mri now i'm not sure that that i'm hearing anything that would make me even want to request that at this point but i'm going to just give you this caveat i would first of all i would as a protective mother although there are some there's some recent information out there that they're saying you know, you don't need to stay out of sports uh, as long as I used to think you did. If there's a concussion effect or anything, for something like this where your son perhaps had a post traumatic seizure, definitely had loss of consciousness in that. I would, I would definitely keep him out of any kind of um, sports or. Potential for another injury for for at least three or four weeks. Um, right. Okay, okay. I would just, especially in this heat, it just puts everybody at at even more danger. Now, right. if he gets back into school and you see increased issues with concentration increased issues with moodiness because many times moodiness is one of those signs of a traumatic brain injury, um, increased moodiness. And again, you already mentioned he's 15. He's, he has the right to be moody at times. That's his right. And so, um, but, but if you see some of those other issues, memory imprinting, forgetfulness, losing things more often than he did with his ADHD, the medicine's not working like it used to, things like that, then then I would want to perhaps consult a neurologist and and that's where uh, I hope he's still connected to a primary care doctor and gets yearly physicals and I would probably call that doc and ask them who they typically refer to a pediatric neurologist if there is one around you I would encourage you to to go to have him seen by a pediatric neurologist. He's not an adult yet. We're still talking about the developing brain. And it would be good to have a neurologist who sees both children and adults with that. Because I think your concern is certainly warranted. You want to be sure, um, especially with that, that history there. Right.
0: No. Well, I'll tell you, the whole situation is compounded by the fact that he um, has aged out of his pediatrician, but he's not 16, and so I'm having trouble finding a doctor that'll take him, because their insurance doesn't cover anybody until they're 16. So he's in that little gap, and I can't get to a neurologist without a referral. So it's a cycle. That's why, I mean, I wonder, you know, I'll do whatever I have to do, but... it's not easy.
2: For some reason, this little gap of age is not easy. Yeah, so, uh, most
0: pediatricians.
2: Yeah, most pediatricians don't age you out until seventeen or eighteen, which is which is interesting. But I I know some some must. So I would. I will tell you that that our uh, Center for the Advancement of Youth has an excellent pediatric neurologist, Doctor Mark Lee, who's down on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. So I know you're not too terribly far from us, uh, but I would definitely uh, where where was he seen for his trauma? In
0: Mobile, in- um, at USA. That, yeah. Uh,
2: so I would probably call them, call that that uh, center and ask them if they have someone who is closer to you, perhaps. Uh, okay. and, and check and see, too, because it is really important to make sure your insurance covers the providers in which you're seeing, because when you're talking about getting tests such as MRIs or CTs, they can be very right. costly and, and seeing subspecialists. But, but I, I, I really think if you, if you see any kind of those warning signs that we were talking about, mood changes, sleep problems, appetite changes, social withdrawal, memory deficits, any of those in him, I would, I would want a full evaluation just to make sure everything's still okay.
0: Well, I appreciate your advice. I think I feel like you're absolutely right. I feel like I just want to have one chance to get this right and I want to make sure I, you know, don't leave any stones unturned on it. Yeah.
3: And I if I could, I would love to chime in right here as well. Um, <clears throat> I am a 24-year-old guy. I formerly was a 15-year-old man <laughs> and I I know what it was like. <laughs> I can tell you you feel like you're invincible at that point. And for me, at, when I hit, like I think I was 19 years old, I had a car wreck. It was my own fault. I was not paying attention enough, and slid off the road. And it was a pretty bad car. Wreck. I was fine. I was. I came out. I came out okay. I walked out okay. The car was pretty banged up, um, and that really, really scared me. And that was the first experience I had ever had with being feared for my life. Um, so, for your son. I would say like just check on him mentally and see if he's I'm not and I'm not saying that you haven't or haven't, you know, that he hasn't had an experience like this already. Um, But for me, that was such
0: really hitting on something. I was wondering what kind of trauma there is emotionally. Yeah,
3: Yeah, absolutely. And that that,
0: the thing because
3: with him being irritable and stuff that could just be that manifesting in that sort of way.
2: Yeah, and I, I think that's great, Abram. I'm glad you brought that up because I, I will say you said a word that many of our boys and men are taught to be tough and to be invincible. And that, oh, my goodness, why can't you just take being hit by a car in a golf cart and, you know, just get up and dust yourself off and deal with it? That's wrong, and we know that it's really terrible to bury issues. So, to Abram's point, Jennifer, remember when you're talking with your son instead of just saying "Are you okay?" because he's going to say yes, you could give a more of an open-ended question, like. Tell me about how your day went today. Did you feel okay? Have you had any headaches? Tell me about your ability to concentrate. And maybe even say something like, you know, I know that must have been terrifying when that, that car hit you. Tell me how you're feeling now. So just open it up, and if he says, truly, Mom, I'm great, I wouldn't badger him about it, but watch for other signs. Right. Good. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. You're right. Okay. Um, And I appreciate that. Well, we appreciate you calling. Good luck. I'd love to hear a follow-up. We'd love to hear some good news, or if you found out something new that you'd like to share with our other listeners, I always think call callers like you help others
0: wonderful i will do that thank you again
2: all right take care oh, thank you. all right so today we're talking about executive function traumatic brain injury you know that always comes up whenever we talk about executive function because out there because human beings should be active and physically engaged with their environment many times do end up having uh, some trauma to their brain. And all of it is not horrible. And many times we can recover and be very resilient. But to keep in mind to look for those warning signs, it's really important, like I said, after any kind of injury. I think I'll reiterate that now because it really is important. So many kids are out there getting back into football, getting into soccer, or the the non-american football as it be and so so many times we we do see kids with injuries and not sure so look for t- signs Post a head injury of mood changes, memory deficits, uh, th- things like sleep issues, uh, attention span, withdrawal, any of those kinds of things tell you there may be something even worse many times individuals who who have a concussion may have a very short blackout period but there could be something real significant even with that so just stay aware be aware okay we've talked a little bit about ADHD and anxiety and traumatic brain injury A little bit about bipolar disorder, and I just wanted to say a couple of words about bipolar disorder as we move along, but the table's open to any questions that you have. Uh, do you think that you're having any problems with executive function and are concerned with it? Do you feel that perhaps a medication that you're on could be interfering with it? Or do you feel that there is something that perhaps has been missed for you? So bipolar disorder is a, it's a mental illness that causes mood swings. Typically, and it typically has a chronic course. It often begins to present in later adolescence, although occasionally, in some cases, you can see it in early adolescence. I talked a little bit last week about this, that it was for a while diagnosed in the very young child, and I think most neurologists pediatricians and child psychiatrists have moved away from that because we found so many times some of the mood stabilizing medications that were being used on these very young children we we really didn't know the long-term effects and so try to avoid making that diagnosis the other thing is children are supposed to have mood swings they are moody many times toddlers Throw out a temper tantrum a minute after they were very happy about something.
3: Well, you got to think a two year old's the worst thing that could happen to them in their mind is that they didn't get more chicken nuggets for lunch or something like that. Like, (laughs) if if mom says we can't go to McDonald's, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. So uh, you've got you've got to put everything into the perspective of of what that child is is learning and like we said executive function is not something that is always just there children have to learn how to take things and process through and that is one of those higher functionings of the brain as we're talking about laying down the pathways in the brain and how those neuro connections are happening Executive function is one of those things. It's not just there. You're laying down the pathways for that. But if there's something that gets in the way of your functioning, even if the pathways are there, then it can cause significant issues. And, and one of those is bipolar so um there's been a lot of advancement in knowing what neurotransmitters are involved in bipolar and and they are somewhat different than that in ADHD but there is some crossover. And so with bipolar disorder many times when individuals have uh are in a manic phase it's not that they can't concentrate, it's that they they can't fixate on something and cannot let go of it and will go on and on and on for hours and hours and hours. Now there can be that perseverative concentration for individuals with ADHD also, but it typically they have to have a high interest in, in that area and typically have all the other typical symptoms of ADHD, like losing things and not concentrating on things unless they're not interested in them, being very disorganized and the like. In in bipolar, the the neurotransmitters are are many that seem to be involved. Noradrenaline, serotonin, dopamine all have been somewhat involved and also gamma aminobutyric acid. So just looking at an individual who has bipolar many times, there. Their moods can be quite extreme. If they're in mania, it it can last for several days. There can be r- rapid cycling. Bipolar has been described and then re-described in bipolar one and two, and uh, over the years. And but the treatments actually are somewhat similar still over the years. So. Um, Mood stabilizers are one thing that seem to be very effective for most individuals with bipolar if they have the mania and depressive symptoms, but, but only effective if that's the case. Some individuals who have more depressive symptoms sometimes also need a serotonin reuptake inhibitor. And so I think one thing that everybody needs to remember is all of it is not the same. And there has one recipe does not work for everybody. Some people need a mood stabilizer. Some people need a mood stabilizer and an antidepressant. Some people need one more than the other and so just important if the diagnosis of bipolar disorder is made really an individual ought to have hopefully the ability to see a psychiatrist and in um, young children I also would say if the diagnosis of bipolar is being made there are many things that General pediatrician should be able to treat. ADHD is one of those. A child does not have to see a psychiatrist, nor often a psychologist, to make the diagnosis and be treated for ADHD. If a child's grades are okay, but they're struggling with life otherwise with inattention and impulsivity and hyperactivity, and the teachers and the parents and the physician all agree then treatment should be able to happen. But if the treatment is not your typical treatment for ADHD and things seem to be continually going off the rail and perhaps there are some periods of depression in a child or in an adult who has been traditionally treated for ADHD, then it's very important to take a deeper look and I say that often whenever someone comes in and says, These, this treatment worked so well for so long, and now it's not working. Then you have to look for for other things. You have to determine whether or not this is something new now. Did something else rear its head rather than... Just that ADHD, could it be anxiety? Could it be that, you know, this may have morphed into something more like bipolar disorder. And what I was going to say before I went on with that over and over is that individuals who who are given the diagnosis of bipolar disorder, I think having a psychiatrist who's well-trained in this area and in the treatment is a, an important thing to consult if you can. And I know... Particularly child psychiatrists, but also adult psychiatrists can be hard to get into, but I think the resources have gotten somewhat better, especially in the adult population. So I would encourage those of you who have had that diagnosis to make sure that you have someone who's really current in the diagnosis, current in the treatment, and that you're not just having your medication increased up and up and up. Because some of these medications can blunt cognitive function, they can make thinking a little bit hard. And so you don't want to get paralyzed with the medicine. You want to have a medicine that is effective for you, allows you to move through life, think and function well and have good relationships and use the executive function that you have. And most individuals with both ADHD and with bipolar, it has nothing to do with intelligence. So there's, you're Plenty smart enough to be able to think think through situations to use executive function, but sometimes there's a neurochemical that's getting in the way of allowing you to have good e- executive function. I hope that made sense.
3: Absolutely. Uh, my My one question that came up as you were talking was, um, you know, you said that like a lot of the times, you know, maybe ADHD is diagnosed in a younger child, and then as they grow, you. You learn they're more likely to have bipolar disorder. Is there any sort of like marker that you notice that would identify some child as having grown into having bipolar disorder, or is there some sort of behavior that you that you observe?
2: If that's a really good question. And with ADHD, okay, keep in mind with ADHD, typically they're not extreme mood swings most children as long as life's going okay for them don't fall into the depths of depression for example so and I said most because you can have comorbidity you can have ADHD and depression you can have anxiety and ADHD and if you have ADHD and depression it doesn't mean that you have bipolar disorder it's the extreme mania that you get with bipolar disorder where you are you are not distracted you are focused and you may stay for hours it's on on a particular topic okay or you may go from that to having the extreme depression so it's it, when you when you start having that kind of differential with adhd and the comorbid anxiety uh, depression for example typically they can run together you can be inattentive and then start having those depressive symptoms um, and not concentrate because you have those depressive symptoms. And with bipolar, the the extremes separate. I hope I'm making sense because sometimes it is a little difficult um, to explain. So you're asking if there's a particular child who who – as they age, manifest more the bipolar disorder? And, and the answer is I've not seen a real marker other than sometimes those really severe ADHD cases that are very, very difficult to control end up having bipolar disorder. And I'm going to mention something. Um, individuals who were exposed to alcohol in utero whose mothers drank significant amounts during pregnancy – Many times, those are individuals who have significant trouble with executive function, ADHD symptoms, and and emotional discontrol. And so that is another huge issue that, again, probably we need to discuss at some point, the fetal alcohol spectrum. I know I've talked about it before. We have one quick call I want to get to because I think Rachel has a great question. Hi, Rachel. Thanks for calling.
0: Well, I would like to hear you comment about um, the role that uh, a malfunction in thyroid can have on executive function.
2: Great question, Rachel, and I'm glad you mentioned that because I need to say that before the end of the show, that anyone who has issues with executive function— where they feel like their memory's not working, their attention span's not working, especially if you're an adult, you need to make sure you get a complete physical exam by your phys- by your family practitioner or your internist and to make sure that you have... No anemia, that that you do not have any other health issues and thyroid functioning is is a very important one and you can have the presentation of hyper or hypothyroidism, both of which can interfere with executive function. Hypothyroid, that's low functioning thyroid, can cause several different issues, but one that is often seen is lethargy difficulty and concentrating difficulty with memory. With hyper, over-functioning thyroid, many times you can see an individual who's jittery, cannot stay on task, feels hyperactive, and ability inability to concentrate. So, Rachel, boy, you brought up a great thing that we needed to talk about at the end. That thyroid function is highly important for our ability to use our brain properly. So thank you for that. Okay. Well, I appreciate everybody for listening. I hope I... Cleared up some some things. I want to thank our callers for calling in and always bringing up good topics. If you'd like to hear this show again or any past episode, you can listen to our podcast on your favorite podcast app for searching Southern Remedy, Relatively Speaking. This show is uh, supported in part by the University of Mississippi Medical Center and also from listeners like you. This show is a production of MPB Think Radio, and it was engineered and produced by my uh, producer, Abram Nanny, and call screeners by Jermaine Flood. As always, thank you, Jermaine. I hope you'll stay tuned for NPR's uh, Here Now coming up next right here on MPB Think Radio. See you next week.
1: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.